Welcome to Mrs. Flick's Picks, where busy moms can find the best books for their kids. Join me in my mission to cultivate children's moral imagination through good stories, beautifully written. Hello and welcome back to Mrs. Flick's Picks. I am Carrie Flick and I am thrilled to have you join me. Today I'd like to talk about the nature of refrains and chords, that is the musical variety. In any given piece of music, you will hear a specific set of notes repeated throughout. This is the refrain and it is often the most catchy or memorable part especially so in the classical symphonies. Not many people can name Beethoven's fifth, but everyone recognizes the da-da-da-dum, da-da-da-dum. That's the refrain, a specific piece of the melody that helps us identify the song. But songs also contain chords. Now, chords contain specific notes, notes that harmonize with each other. The more notes played in a specific chord, the more full of a sound, but the melody isn't contained within a chord. However, if you play a non-harmonizing note, the result can be positively painful to your ears. A wrong note, a note outside of the musical key, is jarring and it will ruin the beauty of a piece. When we talk about books, There are some that echo the gospel in such a way that you can almost hear the refrain. These books have big themes of repentance, redemption, self-sacrifice, and I've given you lots of those as picks. But other books really don't repeat the refrain at all. They just carry simple, harmonizing notes that aren't discordant with the gospel. They complement it without repeating it. They also give a fuller picture of the Christian life. They flesh out the melody, if you will. The truth is that summer picnics with family, impromptu soccer games with friends, quiet boat rides along the river are all beautiful things. And we know that all things truly beautiful truly belong to God. Hunting for owl nests in the woods or hanging curtains in a makeshift fort may seem like simple or silly nothings of childhood. In reality, they are pursuits that harmonize with the gospel melody of the kingdom, treasuring God in the small things of life. Summer reading is a slower season. I find myself picking up lighter stuff that doesn't require as much brain power or attention span and I've chosen similar sorts for you today. These stories all take place in summer and feature kids or animals making their own adventures off in the woods or river, which will hopefully keep your own kids from catching the summer boredom blues, which is definitely a refrain I know you don't want repeated in your home. My first pick for you today is a storybook called Roxaboxin by Alice McLaren and illustrated by Barbara Cooney. 
The story centers around an entire generation of local neighborhood children who live in the desert of Arizona. They craft an entire imaginary town out of a lonely hill covered with nothing but rocks, cacti, old boxes, and some broken pottery. But through the children's ingenuity and imagination, that place called Roxaboxen becomes a booming center of commerce, complete with a main street, two ice cream parlors, a bakery, and even a jail. Over the years, boy bandits make war with Girl Scouts and attempt to take Fort Irene, and newcomers to the neighborhood bring in the latest in home fashion design, like colored glass windows. This is a simple story, and a true one. The boys and girls of Roxaboxen were real. And although most of them have now passed away, an entirely new generation of children are sure to be inspired by their love of life and imaginary games. Next up, I have Owls in the Family by Farley Mowat. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not sure. This is a hilarious account of young Billy, who seems to be between 9 and 12 years old, and who is crazy about animals. He has quite a menagerie in his home, consisting of gophers, rats, pigeons, snakes, rabbits, and a dog. But when this book opens, Billy has decided he needs a couple of owls, too. So he and his buddy set off to catch themselves some owlets. And to everyone's shock and dismay, they're successful. Personally, owls have always freaked me out. They terrify me. But after reading about their shenanigans in Billy's home, I was positively charmed. These owls play tricks on the family dog, ride in bicycle baskets, scare off bullies, and they get their feelings hurt. They are sensitive and sweet and cause no end of trouble to the small town, from terrorizing the church minister to bringing fresh skunk to the dinner table. It's a fantastic and largely autobiographical story of boyhood and summer adventures in the prairies of Saskatchewan. I think it's ideal for kids ages 8 to 12. All right, if Owls and the Family was a little bent towards boyhood, The Penderwicks by Jean Birdsaw is definitely more girl-focused. The subtitle is A Summer Tale of Four Sisters, Two Rabbits, and a Very Interesting Boy. And that line sums it up quite nicely. The Penderwick sisters range in age from 4 to 12. Their mother has been dead since the youngest sister's birth, and their father is a loving, somewhat absent-minded botanist. The family has rented a guest cottage on a vast country estate called Arendelle for several weeks one summer, and the girls are immediately intrigued by a mysterious boy named Jeffrey who lives in the estate mansion. They make his acquaintance through a series of mishaps and social faux pas, but it isn't long before he becomes a very dear friend. Jeffrey has led a life entirely foreign to the Penderwicks. He is an only child and has never known his father due to his parents divorcing even before he was born. 
He is incredibly wealthy, but has lived in social isolation from other kids. His mother is snobbish and completely opposed to normal childhood experiences, like backyard soccer games or grass-stained clothing. In that sense, this book is largely about a child learning to be just that, a child, in all the glory of summer adventure. What makes the book's narrative so charming, though, is that it is written in turns by all four Penderwick girls, and each of them is entirely unique from the other. Their ideas on how to quote-unquote rescue Jeffrey are both comical and endearing. These girls go to battle forces of darkness armed with brownies and bunnies, soccer balls and stories. They fight like girls, and their victory is oh so sweet to read for yourself. The Penderwicks is actually the first of five books, but I only recommend the first two without parental screening. The latter books deal in pretty great detail, themes of divorce and depression, and I think that they merit a parent reading ahead. This first one, though, would be suitable for ages nine and up. And lastly, I offer up to you Gone Away Lake by Elizabeth Enright. This is the same author of a series I highly recommended earlier, The Saturdays and The Four-Story Mistake and, and those others. This is a later book by Enright, written in 1958, I think, so it has a more modern feel to it than those others. In this book, 11-year-old Portia is visiting her cousin Julian in his recently purchased family home in rural western New York. While the two children are exploring the woods one afternoon, they discover a vast swamp surrounded by ghostly, tumble-down Victorian mansions. After seeing some signs of life in this apparent ghost town, they decide to explore and eventually make the acquaintance of two very elderly siblings, a brother and sister, whose family once owned one of the grand houses many decades ago. Portia and Julian return to visit these elderly folk every day and learn the long history of the swampy bog, now called Gone Away Lake. This story is unique in that it has one foot in the modern era and one in Victorian times. The reader, like Portia and Julian, are transfixed by the tales of childhood summer adventures from quite a long time ago, when folks rode in horse-drawn carriages and young women wore corsets. They also realize how timeless and universal some childhood experiences are and how much wisdom can be gleaned from the stories of the past. I also love the fact that the protagonists develop a sincere friendship with this elderly couple. They are genuinely interested in each other, which seems to be a rare thing among today's youth. The elderly are tolerated at best and often despised, so a story of mutually enjoyed friendship that spans several generations is refreshing. Kids ages six on up will relish this one. And folks, I think that's a wrap on season one. I think this is my last episode. I'm going to go ahead and take a break for summer and hopefully return towards the end of August sometime. Um, but I really appreciate you being here with me this season. I've had a blast 
And I wish you a summer packed full of delightful Mrs. Flick's picks. So thank you so much for being here and we will see you soon. In the meantime, happy reading.